This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is... Good morning, Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? (laughs) Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. (laughs) Squeaking at the intro. Sorry about that, guys. You know, I've (laughs) been working on my voice lately, and it's just not working out. With me, uh, thank you for joining, finally, Chuck. Yeah. How hey, you what's been? up, man? That's, name's Chuck. You know, how's it going, Nate? What are you up to today? Oh, just been working hard putting the show together. I got you. Yeah, it's a tough <laughs> job, I bet. Yeah. I appreciate it, though. I want you to yeah. know. Yeah, no problem. I want you to know that I really do appreciate all the work you put in. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I know that it goes no, unnoticed. Noticed. It goes noticed. It doesn't yeah. go unnoticed. That's exactly. what you're trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, what's up, everyone? This is Good Morning Liberty. <laughs> we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to so smash that follow button tell a friend tell a family member follow us on x and facebook if you're uh if you're someone's grandparent uh, listening right now follow <laughs> us on head. facebook and uh instagram all that stuff tiktok leave a rating and review as well YouTube. it tells you uh, and subscribe on youtube because right. we we do happen to put up a lot of videos uh, on the old youtube channel as well well uh, we've got Three topics for today's show, and we're going to try to get them out of the way as quickly as possible, not because we don't care, but because we care about other things more. Uh, so there's a, a a few things. One thing with the elections, you know, there's a presidential election going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, People are going to rerun for president this yeah. year. Yeah. And we're finally going to change things. Yes. This year, we're going to mm-hmm. fix all the problems if we just elect the right person into office. That's right. We'll be able to solve. Finally, we'll be enough. That's what we're missing. There's an, the perfect it, person. An interesting thing happening I wanted to point out for the pro-democracy Democratic Party. Remember, this is all about saving democracy. One thing that's really weird is that Biden's not actually going to be on the ballot in New Hampshire, which is interesting. And the reason is uh, that they decided after the 2020 election that New Hampshire was no longer going to be the first in the nation primary for the Democrats. They're going to do South Carolina instead. Now, they say that it's because South Carolina more accurately represents the American people or whatnot, not New Hampshire. I say it's because Biden came in fifth in New Hampshire in 2020, and he came in first in South Carolina. And that's why they decided that they were going to do South Carolina first. You know, South Carolina had slaves. They did. Yeah. 
They did, yeah. That's one of the things that they're uh, that they're known for. I don't really know anything else about South Carolina, hmm. honestly. Yeah. So on Tuesday, so voters I'm surprised he skipped a northern state. I know those Democrats, man. man they just can't get away from the, the South. Southern Democrats. Mm. Mm. On Tuesday, voters in the Granite State. By the way, Charlie, do you know why they call it the Granite State? There's no granite there. No, that's actually because they got a lot of granite up there. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up. I wanted to know why they call it that, and it turns out it's because of all the granite. That's that yeah. makes sense. Is yeah. that their state bird? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so don't take that for granite. Uh, the granite state will once again help kick off the presidential primary season on the heels of the Iowa caucuses that began the nomination process. But this year, there's something different about the first in the nation primary. On the Democratic side, for starters, the DNC which has the ultimate say in how its presidential nominee will be picked. Basically, it doesn't matter what the people want on the Democratic, the pro-democracy side of things. The DNC is just kind of like, oh, we want this person. Why would they put that in their rules? (laughs) I think it's because they want to be able to control the outcome of the elections. Well, if they want to be able to protect democracy, if something's awry. Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Tyrannically protect democracy. Something awry, like a lot of people wanting Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. That's right. And you don't want that. No. And so they want to protect democracy right. when they do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have the ultimate say in how the nominee will be picked, um, says state party also, officials. Also, are they starting to get out ahead of this? Which one? Does this mean, with them saying they have the ultimate say, they're, are they going to start to mention this in all kinds of news articles coming out so that people are familiar so when the DNC goes to change who their <laughs> candidate is, everybody's going to be familiar with it. That way they all, I got you. are getting ahead of it. You're, you're talking about our conspiracy theory that yes. Joe Biden's not actually going to be on the ballot come November. They yeah. could potentially be doing that. They want people to be accustomed to the idea that the DNC gets to choose who's going to be on the ballot. Yep. Uh, so they say that the state party officials violated national party rules by scheduling its contest earlier than allowed. As a result, the primary will have zero delegates at stake on Tuesday. So it doesn't matter what people vote for there. Normally, the contest would determine how the state's 23 delegates uh, would go. There is someone running against Biden, by the way, for the life of me. I can't think of his name right now. Anyone remember his name? Um, other than Marion Williamson and some of the others, there's a new guy that Bill Ackman's put a bunch of money in on, and I just literally can't think of a guy's name right now. So if someone knows, let me know. Um, yeah, Minnesota sounds, that sounds true, uh, that that's where he's from. Just can't think of a guy's name. Maybe it starts with a D who knows. Um, furthermore, president Joe Biden, who's seeking the democratic nomination for a second term decided to skip New Hampshire since their primary violates party rules and will not appear on the ballot. It was Biden's idea to bump the state. What kind of rules do they violate? Well, the rules are that South Carolina is supposed to be the first primary. And New Hampshire said, we're going to do our primary when we do our primary. Oh. Like we always have. And so they violated the party's rules Mm. by doing this. And you don't go against the party, as we all know. That's undemocratic. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And so anyway, he's not actually going to put his name on the ballot. Now, he's saying it's because they violated the party rules. I actually think it's because he's terrified of what the outcome might be. Because if he does put his name on the ballot and it looks like a normal primary and then he gets close to losing or even loses because he came in fifth in 2020, 
Uh, I think uh, Bernie Sanders won New Hampshire in 2020. So if he actually came in second, that would look really, really bad for Joe Biden. And then they would have to talk about whether or not he should be on the ballot in November. And they want to wait until August to talk about that. Um, New Hampshire Democratic Party is nevertheless proceeding with the primary, which they note state law requires to be held before any other primary. It's actually a law in the state. And it's already started the process of selecting people to serve as national convention delegates. Uh, there says there's going to be 21 Democrats that will appear by name on the New Hampshire primary ballot. Uh, but you'll have to write in Joe Biden if you want to cast any votes. So they're giving him an out right now. They're going to say, well, it's a write-in campaign because the Democratic Party in New Hampshire is saying, well, we need to get people out there to write in Joe Biden's name since his name is not on the ballot. And so now they have this nice little out where they can say, well, of course, it's a write-in campaign. Of course, he came in second or third or whatever to these other people. Of course, he underperformed in New Hampshire. It was a write-in campaign. I think this is all just a big excuse to try and hide how unpopular he is. And instead, they want to do it in a state where he somehow went from coming in fifth in 2020 in New Hampshire to coming in first in South Carolina in 2020. And that's where they want his first showing to be, mm -hmm. not in New Hampshire. Yeah. What if, for he democracy. what if he doesn't get first in South Carolina? That'd be kind of funny, too. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny. Would he be the first incumbent president to not win the party's nominee? They, they've done that. I don't know if he would be the Who first Who else is or running not. against him, though? Who else is on this ballot? Anybody prominent that's in other primaries? Anybody actually trying to get the Democratic nominee? Well, Mary Williamson is... Marianne Williamson BS isn't is still out there. This year, right? BS is not doing it. He goes with whoever the party says to go with these days because he doesn't want to get slapped anymore. Let's do a Google on that. It's probably making enough money now. Who's running? Doesn't want to ruin all the president on the Democratic side. Let's see what the Google machine or the because you have RFK says. now is going independent. Mm -hmm. So, um. Let me just try and, okay, Joe Biden, oh. he's running. Okay, we got that. Man, now they're giving me all these Republicans. I don't, want, I don't want to read about Asa Hutchinson, Marianne Williamson. She's 71. That's surprising. I didn't know that. Cornell West, also independent. Okay, Dean Phillips. That's the person I was trying to come up with. That's the person that they're worried about right now because he's getting a bunch of money thrown behind him. Yes, and he is a congressman from Minnesota. So Costco, you were correct about that. All right, now that's just a little tidbit of information. We'll watch and see how New Hampshire goes. I just wanted to mention that. Now I want to talk about- I mean, you about, think if RFK Jr. would have stuck Democratic, he could have potentially won the primary, but he probably knows the game. Well- That even if he did technically win the primary, they wouldn't let him have it. Yeah, and so he's actually more of a threat now because he's going to be, he knows he'll probably be on the ticket in the general election, at least in some states. I don't know if he's going to be in, in all the states, uh, but he's more of a threat now because they wouldn't have allowed him to beat Joe Biden. And he knows that. And so he wouldn't have been a factor when it came to the general election, but now he'll be able to ride this thing all the way out through the election and maybe take some votes away from both candidates at at this time, I don't know who he's going to take more votes away from, really. Uh, I would think he'll take more away from Biden. Uh, but then when it comes to all the vaccine stuff, maybe not. I'm not sure. Do you think that he'll get enough percentage to be in the debates? 
uh, RFK. And then are they even going to have the debates? No, they're not going to have debates. Okay. No, no debates. Uh, Biden knows that he can't. But do you think if he gains enough percentage, let's say, which, which has to be what, 12% now? Or what's the percent? I don't know what the number percent, is now. Remember, 200%. Do you think RFK Jr. will just go to the debate by himself? I think what... That would be the smart move, but they probably wouldn't host it. What could potentially happen, and I don't know if RFK would do this, uh, but what could potentially happen is RFK and Trump could decide to do a debate. And that would make Biden look really bad. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be an official debate because I don't know if he'll poll high enough to get an official debate. But they could decide to have a town hall debate or whatever on whatever news channel wants to host it. And I think Trump would want to do that because it would make Biden look bad. The question to me would be whether or not RFK would want to do that because it would make Biden look really bad. And then he would get that blame for torpedoing Biden at the end of the day mm. and uh, maybe lose a lot of his Democrat support. We'll see. But that would be interesting if we got RFK and Trump in a debate. Mm. But yeah. no, I don't think we'll see Biden debating anyone he can't do it he can't he mentally cannot do it he his his career would be over he would for sure lose the election if he does a debate I, i'll call that right here okay what about regulations charlie have you ever had an overdraft fee in yeah. your life yeah, yeah i have i i made some bankers rich off of overdraft fees mm -hmm. let me tell you what yep. back back in the day when i used to live i mean i didn't worry about my bank account until it got down to about $7. And then I'd be like, oh, I got to do something about this. Oh, if I had a dollar, I was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I if mean. I, if I saw a decimal, <laughs> just needed a one in front yeah, of that decimal. Yeah, someone you know? zero. Yeah. <laughs> comma. I didn't even know no what negative. a comma as was. As long as there wasn't a negative, it was fine. I, I didn't, I didn't ever even heard of a comma but over back in the day. Overdraft fees could drop to as low as $3 under a new Biden proposal, $3. Now, Charlie, let me ask you this. Did you ever worry about overdrafting back in the day in your bank account? Uh, I mean, I didn't want to do it. Why not? But but because I didn't want to spend the extra 25 to $35 yeah. or whatever it was. It was the was Bank of be. America was $35 at yeah. the time. I remember that yeah. clearly. Um, it, I would try to not do it, mainly because I didn't want to give, get a bunch of overdraft fees. But if that fee would have been, say, $3, that kind of sounds like a line of credit, if you ask me, <laughs> that the bank's giving you. Uh, so they got this new rule from well, the... I used to do that, by the way. Yeah? Yeah. Just take out a little line of credit from the bank? I used to borrow from the bank. Yeah. Knowing I would go negative. I mean, if it's something like a few hundred bucks, you're only getting a 10% fee on your line of credit from the bank. You yeah, know? I mean, so the, for some reason, my bank would let me go negative if I took cash out from the ATM. It would still give me the cash. <laughs> that's a funny, that's just such a weird thing Let to me. Let me go negative. So I would borrow that cash for the 25, 30 bucks or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And then when I would, you know, scrounge around, and when I'd scrub enough toilets, yeah. <laughs> I'd pay it you back. a lot of toilet scrubbing. I always paid it back. Mm -hmm. I still have the same bank accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you really? I don't have that problem anymore. But. I had to leave. I had to leave one bank. No, I did. Still have it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I had a, I have a checkered history with banks. <laughs> now I don't know if they'll let me do it again, but I haven't had to do that in a long time. Mm -hmm. Let's I, try. Let's try and spend all the money in there and see what happens. I'm curious what the yeah. fee is. Yeah. Uh, go ahead with the overdraft fee. All right. The cost to overdraw a bank account could drop to as little as three dollars under a proposal announced by the White House. 
The latest effort by the Biden administration to combat fees, it says, pose an unnecessary burden on American consumers, particularly living those living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're spending more money than you have, and it's the bank's fault. Yeah. Well, of course the government would think that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they literally survive on spending more money than they have. They, they will just, <laughs> they'll just switch it to whether they'll just decline everything. Yeah. That's what I would do. That's what they're going to do. But, all right. Decline everything. Banks charge a customer an overdrive fee if their bank account balance falls below zero. <clears throat> just think about that. Yeah. If their bank account balance falls below zero. That means that they paid for something for you that you didn't have the money to pay for. Literally, you borrowed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overdraft started as a courtesy offered to some customers when paper checks used to take days to clear, but proliferated thanks... But proliferated thanks to the growing popularity of debit cards. And it ends. That sentence. Yeah. It okay. started when people did paper checks, but proliferated thanks to the growing popularity oh, of debit cards. Okay, now it makes sense. <laughs> so, for instance, a $10 debit card transaction could cost a bank customer $40 if their balance goes below zero. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Quote, for too long, some banks have charged exorbitant overdraft fees. Sometimes $30 or more that often hit the most vulnerable Americans the hardest, all while banks pad their bottom lines. Uh, wouldn't an overdraft fee always hurt the most vulnerable Americans the hardest? Because by rule, it's someone who doesn't have any money. Yeah. So I feel like that would pretty much like the wealthy hardly ever have to pay any overdraft <laughs> fees. You know, they, we got to like try never. and even this out. Like they don't ever do <laughs> Yeah, just I'm just saying what a what a ridiculous thing is. Of course, it hits people. And typically, if you act like <laughs> if you are a rich person, let's say you accidentally drain the bank account, but you have like seven others. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh dang it, I I use the wrong bank account. Not to mention, you probably already have a line of credit with the bank anyway that you they'll just, just pull from anyway. Yeah, or you can call the bank and be like, hey, this was supposed to come out of this account. And yeah. I, oh, we'll waive that fee for you. You know, no problem. Um, here's the thing, it, but also, it's like. You're the one who knew most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know that if I swipe my card, I don't have enough money in my bank account to cover this transaction. Well, you're assuming people know, but what you're forgetting is that black people don't have cell phones or the internet. So how, are, IDs. how are they supposed yeah. to know? And they don't have IDs either. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know how they opened the bank account in the first place without an ID. No idea. Uh, anyway, yeah. Joe Biden said that it's... Uh, exploitation yeah banks call it a service i call it exploitation so it's better so it's better is it better than for the banks just to decline the transaction that's the question and i can you which by the way if you overdraft enough that's what they start doing well can't you select that on your account that you can absolutely you don't want them to cover it i think most banks you can yeah you either sign up for overdraft protection or you waive it and you know going in, like you're signing to open up your bank account, you mm-hmm. you know going in that if you go below zero, they're going to charge you this fee. And the fee is meant to be a deterrent. It's like, hey, we'll cover this for you, but we shouldn't. But if you really want us to, so you don't get embarrassed at the grocery store line or gas station, whatever, uh, then we're going to charge you a fee for that. It's not That's ju- a service. It is a deterrent. It's supposed to be a deterrent. It's also, a, it's also an insurance policy for banks because a lot of people will go in the negative and then they'll never pay it back. They'll just close the account. They'll go somewhere else and open another account. 
And so they, yeah, they use overdraft fees from other. Now they make money off the whole thing. Of course, they've and got it worked also out. Also, the bank but, has to pay for the for the percentage fees from Visa and Mastercard mm-hmm. or whatever, and then the payment processor. Your bank covers those fees for you, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, more stuff here. Oh, so White House's <laughs> new rule here under the proposed rule: banks could only charge customers what it would cost them to break even on providing overdraft services, so they can't make any money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're padding their bottom lines. This would require, see, we should all, we should only charge what we need. No profit. To cover. If you get rid of profit, everything yeah. would be cheaper. That's the idea behind this. This would require banks to show the CFPB the cost of running their overdraft services, a task few banks would want to handle, which would cost them more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alternatively, banks could use a benchmark fee that would apply across all affected financial institutions. Regulator proposed Regulators propose several fees, $3, $6, $7, and $14, and will gather industry and public input on the most appropriate amount. <laughs> CFPB says it arrived at these figures by looking at how much it costs banks to recoup losses from accounts that went negative and were never paid back. See, Nate, they've already accounted for that. Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny is this is, they're literally saying, we're going to look at what it costs you to recoup losses from running this, from running these overdraft protections. And we're not going to allow you to make any money off of that. Why don't they just do that on everything? We're going to look at what it costs you to make that car. We're not going to do anything. You know, we're not going to allow you to charge anymore after that. You know, that's exploitation. That's exactly. <laughs> yep. You know, where does, this, our most where does this principle end? People. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how much do banks actually make off overdraft anyway? Uh, I think it was eight, $8 billion last year. Not out of all the banks. Out of all the banks, I'm pretty sure. Something like that. And what was their profit? Well, because... And what was their... What percentage of their bottom line is that? Oh, it's a very small... It's a very small amount. Is it even 1%? Uh, they actually say that sometime in this article, I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, we're, the, getting up, we're getting up on what, what actually bothers me about... Well, there's a lot that bothers me okay. about this, but... The nation's biggest banks still take in roughly $8 billion in overdraft fees every year, according to data... Uh, the Bureau's research also shows overdraft fees overwhelmingly impact the poor and households of color who often overdraft multiple times a year. You don't say. Once again, making the point that the overdraft fees hurt the poor. Well, they're racist. (laughs) The rules would apply. I'm still wondering how they got bank accounts in the first place without IDs. How does that happen? Or the internet. Or the internet. Exactly. The rules would apply only to banks with more than $10 billion in assets, which is roughly 175 banks that make up most of the financial institutions Americans do business with. The rules spare small banks and credit unions, some of which rely disproportionately on overdraft fees. So if it's a large enough portion of your service, mm-hmm. then you can charge whatever mm-hmm. you want. Here's the weird thing. So but That's not going to affect people of color, though, <laughs> or poor people, will it? Um, I'm not sure. God... At the end of the day, here's another thing that's happening. This is actually going to hurt small banks. This is yet another rule that is going to be just fine. This is a new regulation uh, made up by the CFPB, or yeah, CFPB, which has probably got a lot of former bankers working for them in the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And it's going to be okay for big banks. They can absorb the cost of doing less in overdraft fees. Because they have enough assets, they can make enough interest, interest rates are high enough, they can make enough money, they've got enough people with money in their accounts. The smaller banks, 
they're not going to be able to do that as easily because they've got less assets. They're going to be making less money on interest. And they're still going to let them do overdraft fees. But what's going to happen in the market? You're going to have these 175 big banks that are going to have essentially no overdraft fees. And then you're going to have these small banks who have less money and assets who are still going to have overdraft fees because it's a large portion of the money that they actually make. And they don't have as much money to cover people's uh, expenses Loan. when they don't actually have to give people all these loans and lines of credit that the big banks do. And so the market, the people are going to say, well, this bank doesn't have an overdraft fee and this bank does. This bank's not allowed to have an overdraft fee, so they don't have one. And this bank does because they're a small bank and they can't cover whenever I force them to pay for something when I, when I don't have the money to pay for it. And so what's going to happen? It's going to be a regulation that looks like it's going to hurt big banks, but it's actually going to help the big banks by hurting the small banks. Mm -hmm. And that's what's actually going to happen with this. Weird. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of those people <clears throat> from the CFPB are from like JP, Morgan. I'm sure they are. Chase. I'm sure they are. Uh, <laughs> bank of America. Another thing they point out here is that a lot of the big banks have already started getting rid of overdraft fees. And so on top of that, we're going to have another time where the government's going to come in and say that they got rid of overdraft fees. But actually, if you look at some of the biggest banks, they've already decreased their overdraft fees from like Bank of America. I used to pay $35 overdraft fees all the time. I knew that it was 35 before reading this because that's what I used to get charged all the time mm -hmm. with Bank of America. By the way, if you call them and you ask them to take off the overdraft fees... Most of the time, they'll do it. They'll do it. Mm -hmm. You get someone nice on the phone, you say, hey, well, I didn't, I, uh, you know, kind of give them some kind of story. They'll, yeah. take, they'll take them off of there. I've had thousands of dollars in overdraft fees taken off <laughs> of my account, and I've still paid them thousands of dollars. Most people <laughs> don't get things because they don't ask. Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes all it takes is a simple ask. I've done it before. And so they've already decreased. Bank of America has already taken theirs down from 35 down to 10. Why is that? Because we, now we have all these app banks that people have nowadays. I don't know what, what they're all called. There's one called like Dave or something that will give you money or whatever, <laughs> you know, no overdraft fees. And uh, you, you see commercials for, for these different places all the time. And so the banks have had to try and compete with them and they've decreased their fees and they know that they've already got a lot of crap from people about it. And now the government's going to come in and they're going to make it a rule, a law, and people are going to be like, oh, wow, look at what the government did for me. When actually the market's already moving this direction anyway, They'll just be able to take credit for it, mm -hmm. which wouldn't be the first time in history nope. that this has happened. Looks like JP Morgan already <clears throat> gives people a $50 cushion. Mm, okay. So automatically, you got $50 more. And how much How much you want to bet most people run it right to that $50 line? I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're smoking your last cigarette. <clears throat> you don't get paid Tuesday. You don't get paid till Friday. Mm -hmm. And you're like, ah, oh, I should save this cigarette. No. You're like, no. No. Give me no, a pack of new ports. That. I've got an extra $50 <laughs> going down to the 7-Eleven. <clears throat> get me another pack of smokes. And plus, since I have $50, I might as well get a Red Bull while I'm there. Give, mm -hmm. me, uh, give me a Reese's cup and uh, a new lighter. Because you got up to 50 bucks yeah, I might of get, a cushion. I might get two packs. You get paid tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> so last week till Friday. Okay, uh, that's that one. Let's go to another regulatory hurdle that the market's trying to jump through right now. Uh, this one, uh, near and dear to my heart, because my God, I hate antitrust uh, almost as much as I hate oh. anything in the entire world. Anything. But a, this is ridiculous. A judge has blocked the JetBlue Spirit merger 
and a win for U.S. antitrust efforts. This could be like their first win. It's what we were most worried about. <clears throat> yeah, super worried Two about that. Two airlines coming together. Mm-hmm, to compete with the big airlines. Yeah. Uh, this It gets a little bit more ridiculous the more we talk about it. Don't worry. A federal judge on Tuesday blocked JetBlue Airways' effort to merge with low-cost rival Spirit Airlines. Have you ever flown on Spirit? Nope. Me either. I've flown JetBlue, though. Handing the Biden administration a significant victory in its effort to preserve competition in a key industry that critics say has grown too concentrated, thanks to all of the other government regulations. Thanks because, to all the other mergers. That they actually <laughs> set out to concentrate the airline industry back in the day and said that it was better for consumers if they didn't have as many airlines to try and choose from because mm -hmm. the system would run more efficiently. Yeah. And now they're saying that it's too concentrated. So that's great. That's weird. In his 113-page decision, U.S. District Judge William... It took him 113 <clears throat> page? 113 I pages? I guess so. Huh. Uh, U.S. District Judge William G. Young wrote that while a combined JetBlue Spirit could put pressure on the four big airlines that dominate the industry, it would hurt consumers who rely on Spirit's low fares. <laughs> he noted that when Spirit enters a market, rival airlines reduce their prices by 7% to 11% on average. Quote, if JetBlue were permitted to gobble up Spirit, at least as proposed, it would eliminate one of the airline industry's few primary competitors that provides unique innovation and price discipline. Worse yet, the merger would likely incentivize JetBlue further to abandon its roots as a maverick, low-cost carrier. It just wouldn't want to compete with the big airlines it anymore. Would, it would want to raise that. the prices it'd after be, that. It'd be too big as the fifth biggest airline <laughs> out there, you know? I don't even know if it'd be the fifth <clears throat> biggest if it merged. Would it? It'd be the fifth biggest if it they would? merged, okay. yeah. On X, President Biden wrote, quote, Capitalism without competition isn't capitalism, it's exploitation. Today's ruling is a notice if these two airlines merge, there would no longer be competition in the airline industry. Yeah. Voluntarily that. merge together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If the guy who owns Spirit said, I don't want to have Spirit anymore. I'm done with this. JetBlue wants to pay me a bunch of money for it. By the way, we'll talk a little bit more. By the way, we're about to go bankrupt. Um, these people want to buy me out. They just said, no, you are not allowed to sell your company <laughs> to this other business. Uh, today's ruling is a victory for consumers everywhere who want lower prices and more choices. Well, guess what? They're not picking Spirit. That's one of the biggest problems that yeah. Spirit has right now. <laughs> what if Spirit just decides to go bankrupt? Do they still have the choice of fly Spirit? And then JetBlue is not in as good of a position to compete with the other airlines anymore. Then JetBlue's next after that. Ugh. Today's ruling is a victory for tens of millions. This is from Merrick Garland. Uh, today's ruling is a victory for tens of millions of travelers who would have faced higher fares and fewer choices had the proposed merger between JetBlue and Spirit been allowed to move forward. JetBlue and Spirit it's said, so wild to me that we live in free market capitalism and you have to get the government's permission mm -hmm. to sell your business. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, William McGee, or Billy McGee as I call him, a senior fellow at the American Economic Liberties Project, called the ruling historic. For the first time in 40 years, a judge has flat out blocked an airline merger to protect us all from an even more consolidated industry, agreeing with the DOJ's rigorous and well-argued case that the deal would hurt competition and raise prices across the board. Of course, this only matters if Spirit continues to exist, which it looks like they're not going to continue to exist, which is why they needed a buyout of their company. <laughs> Okay, 
And so while they're all talking about how they're preserving competition, they're ignoring the fact that Spirit is at an all-time low price on their stock. That they're, I'll show you the chart here in a minute. But they're not doing well. Like this article from ABC that came out yesterday with the merger scuttled, Spirit Airlines faces an uncertain future. Is bankruptcy a possibility? They say Spirit Airlines hasn't made money since before the pandemic. Ticket sales haven't bounced back as quickly as the carrier expected, and dozens of its planes will be grounded at times this year because of problems with the engines. A sale of JetBlue represented a lifeline for Spirit, which faces a $1.1 billion, which faces $1.1 billion in debt maturing next year. But a federal judge scuttled that plan by ruling Tuesday that JetBlue's $3.8 billion proposal by Spirit violates antitrust law. <laughs> now, some Wall Streeters who follow Spirit are tossing around the B word, bankruptcy. The judge even hinted at such an outcome during the trial. Uh, after the judge's ruling on Tuesday, Spirit can look for another buyer or could remain independent and try to push through. But a more likely scenario, in quotes here, is a Chapter 11 file, filing followed by liquidation, wrote Helene Becker, a veteran airline analyst for financial services Which firm means Cohen. The bigger airlines <laughs> could buy them for cheaper. Yes. And buy they're their gonna, assets. Instead of getting bought for $3.8 billion, they're going to get bought for the $1.1 billion in debt that's maturing next year. They're going to get some planes and stuff with it, all on a discount. It's going to be a big garage sale for spirit stuff, a, a hangar sale, as they call it in the industry. And the bigger airlines are going to be doing better afterwards because of this. Uh, we recognize this sounds alarmist and harsh, but the reality is we believe there are limited scenarios that enable spirit to restructure especially with the high interest rates, stuff like that. They're going to have a tough time. Uh, and with the antitrust suit blocking this, like who's going to come in and buy it? Uh, J.P. Morgan analyst Jamie Baker wasn't willing to go quite that far, but he too drew a grim picture for Spirit, which has the ticker symbol SAVE, by the way, if you want to look at it. Um, here's what the chart looks like. Just so you know, last, last thing I'll show you. Since 2015, Spirit Airlines is down 93.92% as, as of the time that I took this screenshot this morning. They're at an all-time low. Uh, they were once at... Which is a decent band, by the way. All-time low. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. see it back in the day, you know. Uh, they were at a high <coughs> market capitalization. They used to be worth $5.35 billion. And they are now, their market cap is worth $566 million. 5.3 down to 566 million. I would say that's about 94%. That's a pretty big <laughs> decline for Spirit Airlines. And so the question is, while all these people in the government get to talk about how they're preserving competition for people, what they actually just did was help the bigger airlines who almost had a bigger, cheaper, low-cost competitor to compete against. And this is literally just a win for the top four airlines in keeping these two small airlines from joining together so they could compete with the bigger ones. But it's all to protect you. Yep. They can appeal. They can restructure. They can uh, find a way to restructure the deal. That is one thing that the, uh, just answering the question here in the group, um, they can try and uh, retool the deal in a way uh, that could potentially pass uh, with a, with the judge. I don't know exactly how they do that. Um, if you know they, who did win this case? The lawyers. The lawyers definitely yeah. won. They still yeah. made money. They still made it. Their and, stock uh, is going up. And then once again, the people who really won were United Airlines, American, American Delta, Delta, and Southwest. 
those are the ones who won this case because mm-hmm. now they don't have a bigger competitor to deal with who's always been focused on keeping their costs low. Instead, they're probably just going to go out of business and the U.S. government did that to protect you. That's it. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the story today, folks. All for your protection. Yeah. I just love it. <laughs> you know, that's the... <laughs> I don't know if I can say it or not. I don't know, man. It's, it's the government is just putting one giant condom <laughs> over all the spirits airplanes. I wonder how much of for a, you <laughs> just for you. You're they're protected. Yeah, it's protected. You're protected from them, right? I wonder how much of a bailout they got during COVID. By the way, I bet you they got some COVID money. Probably Spirit did. I bet. Yeah. Um, I didn't look that up beforehand, but I'm sure the government shelled out some cash. Who didn't? To them. Yeah, of course they did. What are we, what are we saying? Of course they got money. Right. Of course they did. All right, man. Uh, They got your money. On a brighter note, if we just put the right person in office in uh, November, it'll be fine. Except for the fact that, uh, Donald Trump's DOJ also blocked another JetBlue merger, uh, before he got out of office. Hmm. So anyhow... So who's the right one going to be? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, it's going to be interesting. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend, family member, or a foe. That's like an enemy. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. Share it. Like the opposite of a friend. Send it across the virtual enemy line mm-hmm. and see what they have to say. Uh, they can come on for a debate with Nate. Debate? Your, yeah. Your enemies can come on and debate Nate. You're going to just set up a debate for me sometime? Yeah, I will. <laughs> and prepare to be destroyed. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll get destroyed on camera. Yeah. People make a lot of money doing that these days. Go to Good Morning Liberty. <laughs> Go to GoodMorningLiberty.us, GodHatesFeds.com, BernieLies.com, JoinGML.com. There's a lot of dot coms. All the dot coms are you in the show notes. wins? GoDaddy. That's yeah. who wins in this entire thing. All of them are in the show notes. <laughs> Just go, go down there to mm-hmm. the show notes. Scroll down. Down show notes click on some links do all that leave us a rating review if you do all that we'll be back again tomorrow for some dumb bleep of the week until then i hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty